Hello, and welcome to another episode of Healthcare Executive Insights Podcast. My name is Mike Sloan. I'll be your host. Uh, and today we are thrilled to have Deb Visconti, the president and CEO of Bergen Newbridge Medical Center in Paramus, New Jersey. Deb, thanks so much for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's a true privilege. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent. So um, tell us a little bit about Newbridge. What do you, what do you guys do? What's your uh, area of focus within the healthcare community? So Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in the state of New Jersey. We are a publicly owned, privately managed safety net facility, and we are located in Paramus, New Jersey, which is in Bergen County. We have a variety of very unique service lines under our 1 million square foot roof. Uh, we specialize in behavioral health and mental health, substance use disorders, long-term care, chronic conditions, and certainly we have been uh, the tip of the spear um, in the fight against and the mitigation against the uh, COVID-19 pandemic over the last two years. So, um, you know, we are here serving our community and we identify gaps in care that the community may have. And we stand up to support our community in assuring that they get equitable access to quality health care. It's amazing. I didn't realize, I grew up right down the street from from Newbridge, I didn't realize it was the largest hospital in New Jersey because there are some big hospitals in New Jersey. Yeah, we have a thousand and seventy beds under one roof. Wow, wow, that's unbelievable. So, yes. how long have you been with uh, with Bergen Newbridge? So, Bergen Newbridge uh, was born on October first in two thousand and seventeen. Uh, I am the first CEO uh, of Bergen Newbridge Medical Center. And when I say it was born is because uh, we took over from previous management of the hospital under a new um, a not-for-profit umbrella in a transformative place for the County of Bergen, uh, creating a true asset for the county uh, with this healthcare facility that the county owns. Understood, got it, got it, makes sense. So, you mentioned uh, trying to provide access to healthcare to to pockets of of individuals and communities that may not have access. Tell me a little bit more about that. How do you how do you even approach that? Yes. Yeah, so you know, I we try to think about you know what is health equity, you know, and and what does it mean to us. So for us here, you know, health equity is making sure that individuals in your community, obviously in this case, it's New Jerseyans enjoy a fair and just opportunity to be as healthy as possible. Because when you think about it, we're only as healthy as our least healthy community. So we really embrace that position in our communities to identify those areas and um, address their, their health needs in an equitable fashion. We leverage our community health needs assessment, which is a robust months long process in looking and, and um, talking to our community via focus groups and other means to identify what the healthcare needs of our communities are. And we're now in our second community health needs assessment process. And the final product will be unveiled in a month or so before the end of the year. And we rally around that assessment. We, we don't just put it on a shelf and, and you know, say we went through the process. We really embrace it. And it becomes the strategic roadmap of the work that we do here uh, at, at the medical center. It is a, a board approved uh, process and uh, again, ties into our strategic plan. Mm -hmm. 
So how does that work? So a, a community health needs assessment, are you looking at individual municipalities or zip codes, or is it get more granular than that? And you're identifying pockets of communities that just are underserved in some capacity? What? How does that work? Yeah, a little bit of everything. We look at zip codes, we look at municipalities, we look at disease states, you know, what we're seeing as prominent in the community. Um, you know, based on, again, feedback and focus groups and many, many months of interviews and data analytics. So we look at a little bit of everything to be able to plot our course going forward. And because, again, we're a safety net hospital and um, we are committed to serving the needs of our community, we we do focus on our underserved and, and communities of vulnerability. Interesting. So how far of a radius do you go with that kind of research? Does it, how far would you? Pretty much all of Bergen County. We, we look at okay. you know, the process is, is all the hospitals of Bergen County participate in the community health needs assessment as, as well as uh, the County of Bergen. And so we look at every uh, town and municipality from the North to the South and, and East to West. There are some communities that border Bergen County. So we, you know, if there's opportunities there to address some gaps uh, we certainly um, stand up and, and do what, what we need to do. Gotcha. So every every hospital in Bergen County does these. Is that common throughout New Jersey and the country, or is this kind of a unique thing for Bergen County? No, I think it's pretty, uh, community health needs assessment is, is pretty standard practice to really understand what the needs of your community are, because, you know, as a you know, major healthcare provider, that's what we're here to do is, you know, meet those needs, identify the needs, address the needs and meet the needs. Right, right. So once you have identified a community that is underserved in one capacity or another, how do you go about addressing it? Is it a lot of community outreach? Are you doing events? Is it, you know, digital stuff? What are you doing? So we do a little bit of everything, uh, as I'm sure you knew I was going to answer. Um, you know, we, we work, we have a very um, robust and growing community outreach team. So we partner with the communities um, that we're that we're talking to. So if it's in you know Garfield or um, you know Bergenfield, we talk to the the leaders of influence in those communities to figure out what's the best way to approach those specific communities. So we do um, we partner with our faith leaders is, is another way that we identify those. And we'll either go to a health fair, we'll create our own uh, health fair. Um, we'll create a, a location where we can set up a practice. We'll put mobile uh, units, mobile vans out into the community. We did a lot of that during the COVID pandemic, where we actually brought testing and vaccinations out into the community with mobile vans um, and our healthcare teams. So um, we and you know certain communities, that's the way to to um, address them and and to get in there, other communities, you know, will benefit from a telehealth platform or telemedicine platform, where we have also used technology to help us get into those communities. And, you know, we'll deploy iPads, for example, into the community, and individuals can go into our little pod or our mobile unit, and actually get a visit with a primary care doctor or specialist right with using a Bergen-Newbridge iPad as their way to do that. Cause you know, we do find that not everyone has access to technology. So that's just an, again, another way to be able to get in there and um, you know, reach those communities that need it so desperately. Yeah. It's interesting. I, you know, I've heard this is a, a common theme, how a lot of health systems have had to adapt during COVID and, and, you know, whether it's mobile health units or the telemedicine or, or something that's going to make it more easy for patients to, 
access various providers. Um, do you, I mean, it almost seems like it's an overall net benefit for the healthcare industry in that everybody has has been open to different technologies and techniques to reach underserved populations. Do you think that's going to have long-term benefits for those types of communities who maybe were reluctant to come into a health system altogether or just didn't have a, a ride or didn't have, um, maybe they don't speak English and, and they're you know speaking a foreign language and weren't able to configure it out or whatnot? Oh, I think it's going to have tremendous positive benefits for these communities because you know we'll be able to identify healthcare issues early on. We'll be able to link up individuals with preventive medicine. We'll be able to give them um, you know technology that they can use at home to monitor their health status. So whether it's a scale or a blood pressure machine or pulse oximetry or whatever it may be, we'll be able to identify people with chronic illnesses in particular uh, sooner rather than later. And, you know, there's a trust element here. You know, one of the things we learned early on um, was that communities of vulnerability of color not don't always trust hospitals and, and big health systems. And so having that personal connection, you know, through your communities of faith or through your influential leaders in the communities uh, really has um, helped us um, get that trust packed with mm. these communities you know they trust us they know us our employees speak their languages if, if we don't you know we have ways to communicate with them using technology so it really is a part of building that trust that people need to be able to come to to us to, to receive their care sure sure so you know after the this um community health needs assessment you've identified your areas that you want to focus on and the services that they they may need what are the biggest challenges from that step forward? What, it, what do you see after that? You know, getting to everybody, you know, the more that we're yeah. out there and the more that people know of us and what we're doing, uh, the demand keeps growing. And so while it's, it's incredibly gratifying that people are coming forward, you know, it's always, you know, making sure we can get to everybody to, to address their needs and be out in the community. Um, I think we're going to see um, a spike in, you know, some chronic conditions. So I think that's going to be important mm -hmm. for people uh, to recognize there's going to be um, issues with, with medications, you know, challenges, you know, funding for things, you know, making sure that people have the resources to be able to pay for their medications or, you know, whatever, uh, whatever they may need. And other things that we're, you know, we are acutely aware of are the social determinants of health and the impact of social determinants of health on the health and well-being of individuals in our communities. You know, recognizing that food insecurity, lack of transportation, you know, education access, you know, those are the things that, you know, we take for granted, but those all have a significant impact on the, the health of our communities. And, you know, what is the role of a hospital or a health system in addressing those? You know, I feel very passionate and committed that we have a role to at least help make those connections and those linkages and make resources available for, for individuals in our communities that need it. But there's, again, you know, the, the funding priority, you know, how do, how do we, how do hospitals fund those initiatives and still be able to, you know, maintain a, a fiscal vibrancy so that we can continue to serve our communities. Right. And when you talk about, you know, perhaps lower socioeconomic demographics, people, large populations with, with little to no insurance. 
how can it be sustainable? Are, are organizations like Newbridge, are you um, subsidized a lot from the state? Is it, is it, are you going after more affluent areas? How does that work? We do get some uh, charity care subsidies from the state of New Jersey. Um, you know, most hospitals that that care for this, these populations get the charity care subsidies. So we do get that. It's certainly not enough to cover the cost. Um, so we try to diversify our portfolio by expanding our services, by, um, you know, taking care of everybody in Bergen County, including those with uh, insurance. So, um, you know, expansion, bring, you know, bringing in more doctors and more uh, programs so that we can help diversify our payer portfolio and expand our services. Excellent. So what do you see as the, the future? What does the next five, 10 years hold for, for healthcare, not just Bergen County, but, uh, you know, on a, on a more macro level? I believe that hospitals are going to um, very much like what we're doing here, uh, learn that care doesn't necessarily have to be delivered in a bricks and mortar, that we're going to be much more prominent as healthcare providers in our communities. I think we're going to see a um, shrinking of hospitals in our communities. Again, not Bergen County, but in general, I think there's going to be hospitals that aren't going to survive in the future because of the way that funding is and, and, you know, a lot of hospitals were not able to recover fully post-COVID. So I think there's going to be some shrinking of um, systems over time. We're going to see a lot more care delivered in the home. You know, we're going to see those that come to hospitals are going to be very sick, much sicker, because, you know, the baby boomers are coming of age. And the more advances that we see in the medical field, uh, the longer we live which is a great thing, but when we get sick, we're gonna need higher levels of, of acute care um, in, in our hospitals. So I think we're gonna see a transition there. A full embracing of telemedicine and, and other virtual ways to reach patients, I think will still be very prominent as we move forward. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago and you was saying just with the advancement of technology, it makes home visits more relevant because you don't have to bring huge bulky equipment that is only available in health systems, but now they're getting so small and compact that, you know, a doc, a nurse coming to your house can do a lot of really critical tests that could only be done in a hospital in, in the past. And that's only going to get more and more advanced as, as time goes on. So yeah. the, the home visits is interesting. Yeah. And, and the concept of the hospital at home, you know, that's still under development and they're still trying to figure out how to pay for it and what it looks like. Some places across the country, a little more mature with the hospital at home. But you, I think we're going to see more and more of that as um, as time moves on. You know, we're not going to have a choice. Right. We're not going to have a choice. We're going to have to take care of people. I think it's 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 good for communities to be able to get their care, you know, where they're comfortable, where they're at. So they don't have to travel and go places. Do you guys do a lot of home visits? We're starting to. Uh, we're starting to, you know, evolve into that market. We did a lot uh, more during COVID when we were doing vaccines and other types of um, primary care in the home. But, you know, we're, I think we're going to embrace that a lot more than we have. And going back to what you were saying earlier with equity platforms, what are some some um, I guess, advancements in equity platforms, or are there additional ones that you guys are looking into, or, or how is that going to 
um, progress over the next few years? I think we, you know, you never know where things will evolve, but I think, you know, going into communities, using the virtual platforms, using technology, you know, meeting people where they are, are some of the equity platforms that I believe are going to, you know, remain a, a constant for us, you know, trying to figure out, you know, we partner with a lot of our communities, um, social services, you know, uh, for example, mm our um our homeless shelter um you know we work very closely with our homeless shelter colleagues to make sure that when people leave our hospital they they have a warm handoff to a place where they're going to stay and we're linking our health care to that to the shelter we, we link our health care to uh to the bergen county prison so that we actually mm -hmm. provide care to those individuals that are incarcerated mm -hmm. uh, when there was the early release program I guess it was in uh, two years ago through because of COVID, you yeah. know, many, many of these individuals were released without a linkage to primary care or uh, prime or any kind of provider. And some of them needed medication renewals. So we put our, our people out into the community. We met those individuals where they were. We had an iPad in a mobile unit and we had them do a telehealth visit with one of our providers who was able to give them medications and they needed, you know, further specialty care, hook them up with a cardiologist or, you know, an endocrinologist for diabetes. So, you know, we are constantly innovating in ways that we can reach as many people as we can. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you talk about the, the incarcerated people and, and COVID and I mean, I know you guys do a lot in the mental health space. So do you see that being, uh, a bigger need in some of these communities now than it, than it had in the past? Mental health and behavioral health issues are um, become, have become, and I believe it will continue a huge uh, public health issue for everyone, not just the communities of vulnerability, but we're seeing an exacerbation of, uh, of these disease states, you know, everywhere across the board, in particular with our children and adolescents, but certainly we've seen a lot more of that over the last couple of years. Now, look, that's a great thing because that means that people are seeking help. That means that it's no longer stig a stigma to have a mental mm. health condition. Like it's okay mm. to come and seek help. So I'm actually happy that we're seeing it. You know, we have to be able to um, manage that population and address it in different ways. You know, we're hoping to put mental health providers right into the communities so that again, people don't have to travel or wait for an appointment. We're also leveraging technology where people can see their therapists or their counselors via a telemedicine appointment, whether it be a phone or an iPad or computer, you know, just again, to try to reach as many people as we can, but it has become a significant public health issue for everyone. Sure. Sure. Um, and you, you mentioned earlier the um, medication, just getting, keeping costs low and stuff. How do we, how do we address that in, in, with the community? That is definitely a challenge that, um, that, you know, we're, we're, we struggle with it. There is, yeah. you know, there's, there are the costs of drugs keep going up um, and there really isn't a really great solution. A um, light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> not, I mean, we're hoping that through some legislative activity, maybe perhaps we can start to curtail the costs of, of the medications um, have better reimbursement through government programs and, and uh, you know, commercial right. for drugs, but it's uh, definitely a problem that we're all facing right now. It's the, the cost yeah. of 
What do we think? The, the pharmaceutical companies have too many lobbying dollars. It's <laughs> <laughs> a systemic issue, right? It is. It is very much so. Yeah. Well, listen, um, I that's all the main questions I had for you, Deb. Is there anything else that you would like to uh, share before we call it a day? No, I mean, I hope it was helpful and informative. And uh, it really was a true pleasure to be on this with you. And, um, you know, really unique Likewise. insights that you have. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, we will be sure. Oh, I want to ask you, Deb, if anybody wants to learn more about Newbridge Health uh, Medical Center or about you or, or anything that you guys have going on. I know you do some public speaking and stuff like that. Is there anything that you would like to let people know about? Well, you know, our website is www.newbridgehealth.org. Uh, lots of great information there. We always encourage everyone to follow us on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, we post tons and tons of um, things about our hospital programs that we do. Um, I'm personally on LinkedIn and, and I always, um, you know, I, I try to interact with as many colleagues and professionals as I can. So we're open door here. We're, we welcome everyone. And uh, we love to share the work that we do. And we love the support of our community. That's great. So what we'll do is if uh, we will add a link to your website and your LinkedIn profile when, when we send this video out. Perfect. That'd be great. All right. Deb, well, thank you so much for thank joining you. us today. Oh, thank you for your interest. And I hope to see you again soon. Likewise. Take care now.